Hi, this is Patty Scalzo, and along with the Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, we welcome you to this edition of Shi'ar Jashub, a Bible study program featuring the teaching ministry of my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in his series on heavenly authority. And the topic of this message is celibacy versus marriage in ministry. When we left off, Pastor Greg had been examining Paul's comments in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 concerning celibacy versus marriage in the life of the believer and the extrapolation assumed by some churches for those in authority. Now, obviously, the Catholic Church is very big upon the married people having a lot of children, and that keeps their numbers up. But they see the priesthood, which, what is the priesthood of the New Testament? In the New Testament, the priesthood is the priesthood of believers. Everyone is to be a priest and king. We are a, a, a holy nation, a chosen people, a holy priesthood, right? A priesthood in the order of Melchizedek, kings and priests to our God, every believer. But they set aside a select few that are supposed to be like Paul, and only they can be in positions of authority. Now, is that biblical? Let's go on and see. But I want you to first get the concept of what the celibacy is all about and where it originates in the Scriptures. Let's go down to verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. What does he say? I have no commandment from the Lord. Contrast that up to verse 10 up above, 710, where he says, Now to the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord commands, a wife is not to depart from a husband. And he goes on to say, But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to a husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. That's not a suggestion. That's a command from the Lord. Go down to verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in mercy has made trustworthy. He has wisdom from God, and he knows the situations, and he knows the time. And so not a command of God, his advice and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he says, he says in verse 26, I suppose, therefore, that... Uh, this is good because of the present distress, the present crisis, uh, the present straits. That word there in the Greek means a necessity imposed by external circumstances. Because of the current distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, what? You have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. So there's no sin in marriage. He's making that clear. But in wisdom, given the current crisis, it's good if you don't marry. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have uh, tribulation, that word is, in the flesh, and I would spare you that, given the current crisis, given the current situation. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as those who have none, those who weep as though they did not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, 
those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing or not using it up, for the form of this world is passing away. Hardship is coming. Tribulation is coming. Difficult times are coming. So no matter what you have, you have to be as though you don't have it because we're in a crisis, crisis situation. Verse 32, but I want you to be without care, without care, without concern. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So he's talking about a time coming that's very dangerous, distress. If you have a family, you're concerned about protecting your family, taking care of your family. When Paul goes out and he speaks and they're going to stone him, does he have to worry about what they're going to do to his family, to his wife and his children? No, he has undivided dedication to God. So he can go out there boldly, and no matter what happens, his, his mind is not divided. Clearly, the person with the family, with the wife, with the husband, they're also considering what's going to happen to their family, to their children. And it's rough. In times of persecution, it's very difficult. It's not just them standing up and possibly being martyred for Jesus Christ. It's very hard. It's very difficult. You think about how Joseph, the responsibility he had to get Mary and Jesus and flee from the persecution that was coming from Herod. It's harder when you have people you're responsible for. Your attention is clearly divided. Everything being said here is a statement of truth. And he's not saying this to put a, a leash, a restriction on them, but for their, for their profit, that they would not have the cares. If this is their calling, you know, a lot of people feel that it's, um, it's shameful not to marry. There are many Christian singles that feel they somehow have to rush into marriage because they're doing something wrong if they're not married. But as long as God is giving the gift, the grace, to wait, Sometimes it can be a benefit not to marry, depending upon the time, depending upon the situation. Um, and you see how you can have extremes either way, right? People go off on, because they don't understand the fullness, the three-dimensionality of what it means to be a human spirit, soul, and body, you get very flat kind of doctrines and teachings that make people feel bad uh, if they're single, feel bad if they're married. Paul's just saying the obvious here. Given the current crisis, if you can stay without a wife, stay without a husband, he's saying they're better off. He says in verse 36, I'm going to read you verse 36 and on from the NIV because I think it does a better job of translating the Greek here. Verse 35, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Verse 36, if anyone thinks he's acting improperly toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting along in years, 
and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. And, you know, back in those days, people were promised to each other. And then you even had that time of, of betrothal, right? So many of these people have people picked out for them, or they've picked out, and they're betrothed to them. And he's saying if anyone thinks he's acted improperly toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting along in years and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. He clearly says over and over again that he's not sinning to get married. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, that man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is. And you see Paul constantly saying he doesn't feel deprived in this situation. Paul is not a man who's saying, I feel terrible that I had to give this up for God. He's very happy single, right? And that's really an indication of the gift, right? He's happy being celibate. And he's encouraging those that can do likewise to do it. Uh, in my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. So I think what I've just said to you is wisdom from the Holy Spirit. As opposed to verse 10, now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, you can't get divorced. Okay. This is clearly telling us the benefits of those that have the gift of celibacy. And we're going to see that gift can be for a time not necessarily for life. There could be a benefit to it. But it's not saying, what it's not saying is that you set aside some priesthood that somehow is holier than the rest because they're celibate. Let's look at a few other things. Paul understands the importance of having the holiness of our bodies in service of Jesus. Um, if you look back in chapter 6 and verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he was joined to a harlot as one body with her? For two, he says, shall become one flesh. So in other words, he's saying here that someone that runs after the harlot is making a perversion of the marriage relationship where the two become like one, one flesh, one person. And it doesn't make a difference that Harlot is not the wife. He's unifying himself to that prostitute, to that Harlot, to that adulteress. But he who is joined to the Lord is one of spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual morality sins against his own body. You know, sometimes there's this image of, you know, women having to keep themselves pure, but men can pretty much do whatever they want to do. And Paul is saying here that sexual morality is a sin against your own body. And he's speaking to men that you're sinning against yourselves. 
because you're uniting with someone you shouldn't be united with. There are spiritual consequences to the sexual relationship. Even if a person says, this is a common attitude today, well, this is not a serious relationship, as though that kind of justifies the sex, and later on I'll have that serious relationship, I'll find the right person and get married. Every time a person has a sexual act with another person, they're uniting with that person in a way that's meant only for marriage. And they're sharing part of themselves. There are spiritual, forget about just the physical implications and all the venereal disease. There are mental implications, images that will never go out of the mind, and spiritual implications, things that happen to the spirit that are a burden that they carry the rest of their lives. There is no such thing as casual sex. And it's true for women and it's true for men. He says, flee sexual immorality. He sins against his own body. Or do you not know, verse 19, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. While our radio programs are from past sermons, current sermons are live-streamed on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Join us for in-depth Bible messages by Pastor Greg and Associate Pastor Francis David for a celebration of the Lord's Supper and for prayer and conversation by Pastor Greg and myself. You can search YouTube for the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle channel, or you can use the link on our church website at shiarjashub.org. Join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.